Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to an all new 2019 rendition of Real Tales from the Bar Side. This is the podcast that talks about the shit that goes down at the bar, at the restaurant, after hours. We're talking about everything here. We've got great guests, everybody ranging from busboys to owners of major conglomerate restaurant corporations. We got it all. So lock in, get ready, stay tuned for Real Tales from the bar side. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Real Tales from the Bar Side. I'm your host, Matt Flynn. We're back after a long hiatus. It's 2019. I feel like there's some positive vibes kicking around this year. I don't know if it's just me, if it's trying to beat the cold and the darkness and stay positive. I don't know, but I feel it. I feel like there's something here. And we're going to bring some cool guests in, some out-of-the-box guests, some in-the-box and in-the-pocket guests. And we're going to start things off not with a rant. I'm sick of ranting, man. I don't want to rant anymore. I got a bit of news, a bit of news that's affected my life greatly. And uh, I don't know, it's going to be interesting for me because the bar, the two-door tavern that I've worked at for the past four and a half years pretty much between Uptown and Two-Door, just the rebranding, is closing. It's done. Uh, by the time you hear this, it might already be closed. I think uh, we're looking at a mid-February date that we're closing. So if I put this out next week, try and get in, try and hang Thursday through Sundays, February 1st. I won't be there because I'm going to the fucking Celtics-Knicks game. But other than that, I'll be hanging out Thursday through Sundays until mid-February. And anybody that wants to come celebrate the uh, last hurrah... It's the end of an era. It's kind of sad. It's, it's really freeing and really <laughs> kind of nice in a lot of ways, too. But just a bit of news, some stuff I'm, uh, I'm processing that, oh, by the way, has a whole bunch to do with Real Tales from the Bar Side. So with that information in hand, I want to present today's guest, who was no stranger to Uptown, but never made it into the two-door tavern, uh, the great, the wonderful, the talented Miss Nadira Hira. Hello. Hello, Matt Flynn. How's it going? It's going well. I'm uh, I'm excited to have you here. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. I did not know Two Door was closing. Yeah. That's this is it. How are you doing? I'm okay. It's really wild because I put myself in a decent position just to be okay with it mm-hmm. for a while. Um, as far as just not working. Yeah. I should be okay and. <laughs> Uh, just pursuing creative stuff, getting more involved in jumping on my agent's backs about auditions and creating my own content, things like that. It's going to free up some time and space and certainly mental energy. For sure. But it's it's wild because it truly is a chapter that's closing. Yeah. It's I, a sign from the universe, maybe. Oh, 100%. Yeah. It's fucked up being a sober bartender. It really is. It's <laughs> fucked up. Like, there's no way around it. You're not it. Sam Malone, you mean? He was fucked up. <laughs> Sam was a fucked up guy. And... I was not a relief pitcher for the Red Sox, but I can relate to him in yeah. a lot of ways outside <laughs> of that. I, and I don't want to do this anymore. Everybody asks me, where are you going next? What's yeah. going to happen? Like all the regulars, everybody's staff, yeah. where are you going? It's like, I'm not going anywhere. As far away from a place that serves fucking alcohol as possible, that's where I'm going. Yeah. For it's a while. funny because I knew you before you started this job. Yeah. Which is crazy because I remember when you started it, you were like, we'll see. What happens? I don't know. Could I be a bartender? Well, that's the thing. I hadn't bartended at that point, I think, in eight years. Yeah. And I didn't really have any interest. It wasn't kind of like, oh, thank God, I've been looking for this bartending (laughs) job. And here it is. It was just financially necessary. And it seemed like a really cool opportunity to just step into a bar gig where I was running things on weekends. Yeah. It's like, this works. This is cool. It was a lot mentally. (laughs) But... It served its purpose, 100%. And I'm so grateful to the staff and the ownership there for giving me that opportunity and kind of just leaving me alone and letting me do my thing once they realized they could trust me. Yeah. Because that's how I operate best. But with trust? With trust <laughs> and with being left alone. That's, that's kind of – I can be a team player, but when you put a lot of the people that work in the restaurant industry and that are drawn to it on my team – you tend to get people that are either really young yeah, or 
active alcoholism or somewhere in between and just like a lot of shit I just don't want to tolerate professionally. Yeah. I just don't have the time for it. But I've met some really cool people that are bust-ass hard workers. Yeah. And that's been a true gift. There's a lot of a lot of the waitresses and some of the bartenders really just kick ass. They were great there and they were a pleasure to to work with and just have running with me like that that was a joy yeah it's like a family it is I mean that part's awesome but I guess the hard thing is when someplace like that closes it's not just the it's the moment right it's like that that piece of life is over and it's like good to reflect but also it's going to be really different when it's done yeah yeah like is it like summer camp you'll never see those people again you think uh most 100 percent most of them probably not but it would, be, it would be really cool to reconnect with them, finding out where they're working and yeah. jumping in on them once every blue moon and just yeah. saying, hey. But I have a very small handful of connections with people there that will last. Yeah, forever. And everything else is kind of just, like you said, it's yeah. okay. I'll always remember them. <laughs> <laughs> Are you never going to be behind a bar again, you think? With any luck. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's a good goal. Only on TV. But, you know. <laughs> Only on TV <laughs> is also a good goal. It is. It is. I, uh, I'm i in no way above it. I'm open to return if I ever need it. It's in my pocket. It's yeah. great. I'm, it's fine. I'm happy to do it if I have to. But I'm not happy, happy to do it as far as just a goal yeah. or something that, oh, well, this is fine. It'll keep me afloat. It's, like, it's not fine. Yeah. It's not fine anymore. And it's there where if I need it. Thankfully, I have the abilities mm-hmm. and the personality, but I just don't want to do it. Yeah, I'd rather sit behind or in front of this microphone and just talk shit and yeah. tell stories about it. Not have to talk to anybody yeah. if you don't want no, to. No, the people I bring in are the ones <laughs> I want to talk to, and we're going to talk about what the fuck I want to talk about. Yeah, like, come on. Fair. I don't want to hear about your cat that passed away three <laughs> years ago and how you're still crying over it. And there's like, can I have another, my fifth doer is on the rocks. Oh, no. And then I'll tell you about the dog that died before it. It's like, no, I don't want that. And then, and that's sad. Yeah. But yeah, it is It's sad. sad, but it's not nearly as tragic as some of the stuff I have to deal with. Mm-hmm. I hold a lot of space. Shout out to Nicole Dion. I got a friend out in L.A. She's awesome. And she introduced me to this phrase, holding space for people. And... It's tough. It really is because there's only so much emotionally you have. There's only so much room. And anybody that shares stuff that's really tragic or disturbing, especially for somebody who's pretty empathetic and sensitive like I am, it definitely takes up a lot of space. And I can only hold so much space for so many people. And in a bar room where there's a lot of regulars and a lot of people that come in often, that's large, so it seats a lot of them. And at any given moment, a bunch of them can come in at once. You got a lot of space that you need to hold. Totally. But I think it's also part of that is your personality. Because for a while, at least in the uptown version of things, you were sort of on stage, right? There was this way of running the bar that was like performance art. Mm-hmm. And the people on the other side, I think, they don't. you're a cipher to them. They, they realize you're a person, but they're looking at you and they're like, well... How much of a person is he? Sort of like sure. a sounding board rather than an actual authentic interaction, no matter how much you push them on that. And 100%. I think that turns into something where you're like a therapist even yeah. more than you're like a human being to yeah. people a lot of the time. So yeah. that's probably good life skills, but... Yeah, you really can't <laughs> teach that. That's stuff you got to get in the field. That's yeah. training. That's just on the fly. You really have to be thrown into the fire to get. Yeah. But it, it runs its usefulness. Totally. Out, yeah. After a while. It, it's just... Like anything else, I think when you do it, you reach a ceiling that is, it's just no longer glass. Mm-hmm. You can't break through it, and you're just on the roof. Yeah. It's kind of like, all right, cool. Well, That's enough I need now. to take the stairs down before I fucking jump off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. You don't want to break that ceiling. Yeah. You're like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm either flying off this thing because I can't take anymore, or I'm going to take the elevator down. Yeah. And thankfully, they, um, they pushed the button for me on this one. Yeah. Uh, and that's the other thing, too. I've never left a job. Really, I, yeah. I always go down with the ship, and I was kind <laughs> what of. What does that say about it's you? It's weird. Yeah, I'm loyal <laughs> to a fault when it comes to certain things, and it's. Uh, I don't know. I kind of wanted the ability or the experience to just walk away. Yeah. But this works, and it works yeah. better, yeah. and I prefer it this way as much as it's just my norm and not something new and different. Yeah. But that's like a man trait, though. I feel like in all my relationships, I've noticed that men don't want to break up with you. They want to force you to break up with them. 
it seems like this is a little bit of that same. Yeah, I think I in high school and early college, I had those instincts mm-hmm. where it was just kind of like cowardice. It's just <laughs> fucking, the best right? Like, what else are we calling it? It's cowardice. <laughs> I've, I've grown out of that for a long time, thankfully. Um, but yeah, I can see that. I can totally see that. Women have it too. I don't think that's an exclusive trait or even one that necessarily leans Oh, I think it leans male. Do you? Yeah, I do. Because you also, you have the burden of not wanting to make a woman upset or cry. Like, you're always the villain in those situations. Mm -hmm. So there's sort of a, you know, maybe if I just wait, this will peter out (laughs) naturally. Yeah, yeah, you're probably onto something with that, actually. Because thinking now, the relationships that I've ended, people have tried to really force me not to end when I've ended them. So it's kind of the reciprocal of that, where it's just... Don't throw this away. I've heard that so many times. (laughs) And because I'm a sap. Yeah, you are. And I don't listen to my instincts all the time. I'm kind of like, all right, fine. I won't. Oh, shit. You really kind of intimidated me with that (laughs) bounce back. I I wasn't expecting that. I was just, this is how it is now. It's over. No, it isn't. Okay. I guess it's not. All right. Sign me up. Right. Shit. Thought I knew something. I guess I didn't. Yeah. And here we are back in the relationship. Yeah. Now I'm terrified. Now I have to do this again a year down the road. Not even. No. Come on. A month. Three weeks. But for those More three weeks, I'm kind of like, geez, yeah. wow. How did I end up here? <laughs> this is so strange. Yeah, it is maybe more inherently male, for sure. But you're right 100% to say that this has been a performance-style journey. And that's another thing I've had to really look at because being behind the bar, especially when a lot of people confuse me for an owner, if not mm-hmm. the owner of mm-hmm. the bar, based on how I run it, it is a stage for me. And I no longer have that, for better or worse. And I've definitely looked at the worst side of that as far as I'm going to be home at a decent hour. Yeah. I can go to bed. I can get up early. I can do all these great things. But the, the, the better side of it, as far as what purpose it served other than financial, is definitely I had that exhibitionism exercised. Mm-hmm. And now I won't. Yeah. So I really – I've – Actually, a good friend of mine just asked me to be involved with a, a sketch comedy live team, like which is cool because yeah, I haven't done fun. something live in a while. And I'm kind of just on this, I'm going to say yes to everything board. Which is the right place to be. Yeah, and it, unless it's dog shit. Yeah. If it's something that's just really like, <laughs> no. But I, I don't want to waste time, but I want to be open to things. Totally. So that's definitely something i got to be aware of too. But putting the energy into the right things because in a way – the bar took so much focus and so much of your like performance energy that I could also see how it would be a distraction in a way, right? Like you don't know, you're tired and you don't necessarily feel like once you've put all the time into the people with the dead cat and the dead dog and the five doers, you got to really like marshal the energy as an artist to go put it into something It's tough. It's tough. And and then in conjunction with the hours kept. Mm -hmm. And I have notoriously my whole life been a, someone who's manic and runs on a shitload of natural energy, and B, someone who doesn't require a ton of sleep. C, I'm a night owl. Yeah. I'm just up. So all those things have been useful. But as you age... Are you not, aging? I've, I've started aging. I'm not sure if you've noticed at all. Thank you. Thank you for not noticing. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. <laughs> My mother would argue otherwise, actually. I've been getting the Peter Pan comment to my face a we lot We love lately. your mother, though. Yeah, we do. We do. It's been behind my back for a while, I know. But now it's just like, it's just out there. It's like, can you stop calling me fucking Peter Pan? <laughs> uh, yeah, but as, as I get older, I'm kind of like, it's not that I can't do it. I don't want to yeah. do it. It's amazing how that happens. Right? It is growing up where you're like, why would I want to do why this to myself? Why the fuck would I ever want to do this? This is insane. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it makes no sense. Nope. But, yeah, it's nice to be getting to the stage of life where you're like, you know what? It's not awesome to stay up 24 hours straight. Freeing. Yeah. yeah. There's no FOMO. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Just... You're like, I would love my laundry to be done tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> that that would actually be a win. <laughs> What's the acronym for fear of not being in my bed right yeah. now? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fear of my house being dirty. Yeah. <laughs> fear of missing something on Netflix I yeah. could be watching. Like... Fear of ending up on a date with somebody I don't like because I met them at a bar and now I'm stuck oh, with them. Oh, God. Why do people date? Why do people date? <laughs> Not that, like, that's a, qu- a real question that I'm curious about because dating is just fascinating to observe from a bartender's perspective. Oh, tell us. 
it's just so painful to watch all these people, especially in the advent of dating apps. Yeah. Because it's so frequent. I've been on here a couple of times talking about, I think, if I haven't, well, shit, I've done you folks at home a disservice. These guys, there's a couple of them, two in particular I can think of, that have come in as long as I've been there, one of them, if so, definitely longer. And at certain times, he's brought three to four women a night in. Oh, just like on so a rotating. So it's a loop. It's like yeah. he's using the bar as his own personal speed dating space. <laughs> Does it seem to work? I don't know. What? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't understand what he's looking to do, so yeah. I don't understand if it's working or not. <laughs> it's it's If your goal is to just showcase to a random staff full of degenerates, including myself, that you have the ability to pay for a couple drinks per person of some random girls per night that are mildly attractive, I guess. <laughs> not mildly but, attractive. Nah, it's, I'm attracted to personalities, yeah. and theirs aren't great. Yeah, It's kind of just one of those things that, uh, it, it, if you're coming in hot to hang with this guy, and he's not a bad guy, but his act is just so obvious and yeah. tired. And you've seen it so much. Yeah, that it's kind of like if you're falling for this, and you see the same types of girls fall for this. They're the type that don't acknowledge me, which, you know, I don't take kindly to it Let's all. Let's press on that. Yeah, it, it's just kind of, <laughs> and that's not like a me as Matt Flynn. How could you not acknowledge me? Yeah. It's a me as the bartender. Okay. Like, I'm the fucking guy yeah. looking you in the eye because I want to take your drink order, and if you don't look back into my eyes and tell me your drink order and say thanks, I mean, basic. That's yeah, it. That's, that's just all humanity. I'll leave you the fuck alone. You're okay. Your ace is in my book. Pay yeah. your tab. Don't give me shit if I ask you to open one with a card. Who... Some people, oh, lots of people that are. Oh, well, no. oh, well, what do you think? I'll run out? No, you could never because you're white. There's no fucking way you could ever possibly run out in a tab. People are just entitled. That's assholes. obnoxious. It's so fucking gross. But also, welcome to the 21st century. Ugh, just nasty. Have you never been to a bar before? Yeah. What am I? Just or any place? Yeah, throw a card down, man. Yeah, it's no, no big, big deal. deal. So. The types of girls this particular guy brings in, they're just that. They won't look. It's like I'm beneath them is what they're. That's so and interesting. you know they're so insecure. They don't well, believe that. But is. they're trying yeah. to project the fact yeah. that Yeah, and I'm they're nervous. Them. They're trying to make an impression yeah. on him. And... and they're dressed way too formally for the two-door <laughs> tavern. Oh, no. Also too formally for a first internet date, probably. Yeah. And the thing, too, is I thrive on these situations because you're setting me up to just completely excuse any and all madness I choose to throw on yeah. you at this particular point. I owe so you, you nothing. Just, yeah, right. Okay, yeah. cool. So you don't want to look at me and you're going to, well, mm, well, I guess I'll have, what do you have for Chardonnay? Right? <laughs> oh, it's no. like I take a sip of coffee and stand up because I'm on. And yeah. It's my time. Yeah. I was like, I got a giant fucking Magnum we got on sale in New Jersey of one brand. There's a skee ball machine in the corner. What do you think I have for Chardonnay? Do you want it or not? It's six bucks. Yeah. And then, oh, 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 tongue tied, yeah. kind of like, listen, I'm just going to have fun. Yeah. If you aren't going to be a human being to me, like, I'm the guy with the booze. I'm the guy with the cash register. I'm the guy kind of like running this yeah. spot. Yeah. I'll be a dick. Yeah. But if you're cool to me, I'm never a dick first. I think that's my yeah. rule. I think that's fair, though. Yeah. That's good. No, never a dick first. That's just not my go-to. I may be super judgmental of people who walk in that I don't know. And by maybe, I mean 100%, 100% will the be. time as soon as someone walks in <laughs> But is in it just door, in your heart? They're not feeling it when... It's more often, especially now that I know we're closing, like, oh, fucking customers, dude. Who is this guy? <laughs> What is he? Just what you want in a bartender. Oh. Actively resist the <laughs> no, patrons. No, we don't want we don't want business. Come on, business. Damn it. Guys walking in, he's looking around like he's never been indoors before. Yeah, hi sir, can I help you? It's just Oh no. I Yeah. I definitely have a little bit of guard up. Yeah. For which sure. Is fair. With anybody I don't know. Yeah. But I'm never a dick until somebody's a dick, a dick to me. To you. Yeah. The Chardonnay thing is funny. I remember I was taking a flight once and I was doing like a speaking gig and it, they were so they you know paid for first class. And at that stage of my life, I was probably in my mid twenties, and the looks you get from people when they're like, "You're clearly not like a singer or somebody who should be here, but you're a young woman of color." Like, what are you doing here? Is your mom or dad a rapper or an athlete? And so you have these like funny conversations, but there was this older kind of, you know, crazy haired Alan Dershowitz looking guy sitting next to me. And the woman behind us ordered 
Chardonnay. And she goes, oh, I'll just have a Chardonnay. And he turns to me, he's like, why do women do that? Every time I'm flying on business or whatever, and there's a woman next to me, behind me, in front of me, the stewardess comes by and she's like, I'll just have just, a Chardonnay. Just. He's like, is it not alcohol? Because <laughs> it's just Chardonnay. And it was such a like impactful moment for me as a young woman, because I was like, that's totally true. First of all, why are we undermining our own choices and trying to hide them totally. behind some kind of veneer of acceptability? And secondly, drink if you want to drink. Like, what is that about? I, I don't understand it, and I fuck with people. And it is typically women, actually, that do this more often than men with just a vodka soda. Yeah. And it's like, why are you yeah. selling vodka soda short? <laughs> what the fuck did vodka soda do to you, man? It's true. And also, like, look at yourself. Like, are you? how often yeah. are you doing that in what other ways? So I find that 100%. very Those funny. Those people are apologizing when other people bump into them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's that's exactly and who those people just are. Just own where you're at in your life if you want For a sure. glass of Chardonnay. Yeah. <laughs> but what are your shit with confidence? Yes, absolutely. Yes. But I wonder if we also are being super judgmental of the people on dates because we're both in our... I guess we could call it mid to late 30s for me now. For you, yeah. Don't put me in your category yet. Jeez. You're checking over 35 on the same box. And maybe we just don't get it. Because I think they might like going on a bunch of awkward dates because they're just like going through it. They don't. Are you sure? Yeah. How do you know? Well, they're, okay. Because where we're positioned, the particular bar that I'm at, which you've been to plenty. Yeah. even well in this incarnation of it, it is a little different. I will say that you haven't been to the two door tavern, and it is more of a date friendly spot as a lot more so than uptown, yeah, was. which was more of like a creepy cruising spot. <laughs> so you do get a lot more. I don't want to say sophisticated <laughs> dates, but just kind of normal dates. Yeah, than than yeah. you would solid um, good clientele. Yeah, and Second Avenue is just riddled with. Um, people who would probably more likely enjoy those dates. Women that really still want the free drinks. Yeah. So they'll go and meet up with people just to get, like the, uh, people will actually plan to have a Tinder or a Bumble date as a pregame so they don't have to pay for drinks before no, they go and meet up with the friends. women? Horrible women. That's horrible. Horrible, yeah. Also, how are we ever going to get ahead that way? You won't. Yeah. <laughs> so Jesus. shame on them. <laughs> However, we don't get a lot of those folks. Yeah. So as a result, we're getting people that really actually do want a date or a yeah. partner. Like they're, they're, they're shopping. Looking. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're really looking for something, and and they're tired they're, because of work or life. They're just tired of looking. I'm sure oh. work and life in New York <laughs> in general. Like, yeah, <laughs> but they're tired of looking, and they're just kind of down. And there's a lot of just oh, I don't want to do this anymore. I really want to find somebody. Oh no. And that's sad because you don't see a high success rate. Yeah. Especially in New York. You definitely don't see a high success rate on dating apps, but there is a success rate. It exists. Yeah. And because it's New York, it's such a fucking sick, sick environment in so many ways. Because it's New York and because Tinder and Bumble are so spur of the moment and let's meet up, let's yeah, have we're a drink. In the same neighborhood All right, or cool. Nice to meet you. It didn't work out. Or let's fuck and yeah. move on. Oh, that's or a wide range. Whatever it is. But like <laughs> it's one or the other, right? Yeah. It's yeah. kinda it's very rarely a connection. Because New York is so disposable, it's opened the door for these other business models that are like ridiculous. Yeah. The league. Um, I can't remember. Uh, there's a bunch of other ones, but Raya, just all that, the yeah. high-end yeah. dating sites. Yeah. Like, you can only be, and this is exclusive, and you must be this pretty, you must earn this much, yeah. you, sh- you have to be in this industry. And it's like, fucking come yeah. on. Yeah. And again, there's some cynicism in my response to that because there are success rates within those Maybe. companies. Also, if that's what people are looking for. But it just, it, it just opens the door for people to make more money off yeah. of sad, lonely folks. Well, it is sad, though. I mean, it's like Margaret Thatcher says, right? If you, if you have to say you're a lady or powerful, then you definitely aren't, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a sure. sort of thing. 100%. If you have to be part of a dating service where they're like, you're good enough to be in this dating yeah. service, probably you're a huge douchebag. Yeah. There's no way, whether you're a man or a woman. A, like, bunch, <laughs> a bunch of my buddies and I used to have the biggest issue with uh, women in recovery would identify themselves as, today I'm a woman of honor and dignity. Oh, no. And it's the same Margaret Thatcher sort of thing. And it's like, why are you saying that? Yeah. Was that part of the... It was just a thing, I think, that caught on. And and if we're going to kind of dovetail over to recovery and women in recovery specifically, 
obviously I don't have experience as a woman in recovery the same way I don't have experience as a needle user. Yeah. A former needle user in recovery. I think people that are addicted to intravenous drugs, I think using a needle and just kind of piercing yourself takes you a little bit further down the spiral. It's a a commitment. It is, to Mm -hmm. a point that I'm kind of like, I'm not fully comfortable sponsoring people that have that experience. I suggest that they find somebody that has that experience just so there's an equal playing field. Yeah. It's just more level and uh, as far as understanding goes. And with women, it's it's the same thing. I feel like just being a woman uh, as an alcoholic or an addict can take you a little bit further down the shame spiral, not in actions necessarily at all, but yeah. just in public perception. Societal yeah. projections kind of just make you feel less than. Yeah. And so I understand the desire to do it. I understand the need to build yourself up mm-hmm. and to, as so many people in recovery say, fake it till you make it. Yeah. But I don't think if you're saying that, you believe it. Yeah. Well, you haven't made it at that point yeah. yet. And I, I, yeah. But it, you're right. It makes sense. I think the judgment that comes with a lot of things for women is so much more harsh. And then it gets wrapped up in, well, how would you be a good partner? And could you be a good mother? And could you be all these things yeah. that are inherent to being a worthwhile woman. So I can see why the mantra matters. But at a certain point, you want to not need the mantra. It's it's scaffolding, right? And then at the point that you don't need it, that's when you actually have arrived. But I find, I mean, I have not internet dated ever, which is... I've done it twice, I think. So you've gone on two internet dates? No, I've done it once. So we are not the people to be... No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine was overseas on a Tinder date that I brought my mom on. Oh, I know about this. Yeah. Yeah. So so you're you're a bad... This is a terrible sample size. But I will say that I find it interesting because I've always loved dating at the times in my life when I've been able to date. But I think a big part of it is because I haven't been looking to date. So you can be out and be like chatting with people and you're like, oh, this person's great. Like I would go on a date with them as opposed to when you get to the place you're like, I'm actively looking Mm -hmm. for a person. Nobody's ever going to clear that bar. Right. And you're almost not to use a terrible pun, but (laughs) you're also you're you're also looking like for all these very specific characteristics, which keeps you from kind of opening the field in a way that's going to include people that you actually might want to build a life with rather than have like a compatibility test with. You know what I mean? 100 percent. Yeah, so I do. you're probably seeing a lot of that. A lot of like, we're compatible on paper, but are you compatible in life? I don't know, right? It's not. It doesn't always work that way. And it takes so much time. And from what I understand from guys who have done it over and over and over again, money. Yeah. And just, it's an overall commitment to seek out a mate in that way. And I can't imagine, I, because I'm so connected to personality. Yeah. And I can't really gauge it all that well from a two-dimensional photograph. Or seventeen, yeah. Then I, or like, I, I, what's your favorite color? Right. Yeah. I'm the guy that I've been in a great position as the bartender, but a shit position because people that are coming into the bar, especially my bar and the way I pour, are pretty heavy drinkers. <laughs> so I'm not really finding the level of compatibility for me. Yeah. However, I've always been the person that has no problem walking up to somebody on the subway and chatting and saying, "Hi. Yeah. You seem like a nice person. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And if something goes and something goes, yeah. but it's it's interesting. We got to get more into this. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be back right after these words. So today's episode with Nadira Hira is brought to you by Duolingo. Duolingo is not sponsoring this officially at all. I am receiving no monetary compensation from them, but they're fucking great. It's an app for your phone, and it teaches you different languages. I have these amazing, gorgeous, awesome Venezuelan platonic friends, uh, Reina and Leonela, who I went out with and had such an amazing night with a couple weeks back, months actually at this point. And they were like, Papi, you need to learn Spanish. And so I started. And I love it. I get up every day and 15 minutes of Spanish later, I can say all kinds of things, you know? I know about tables, la mesas, I know about... uh, how to say disculpe, which is uh, I'm sorry or excuse me. I can say all kinds of things. I'm on the spot right now, so maybe I'm not doing a great job letting you know what I've learned, but believe me when I tell you, I can order a cheese sandwich if I need to. Duolingo, order it, it's free. Don't have to order it, just download it on your phone. Enjoy that shit, learn some new languages. Tons of fun, it's never too late. All right, we're back after a prolonged break. I got an email over the break about a pre-sale 
It started in 20 minutes for the Who at Fenway Park. Got to do it. And we did it. <laughs> I got some sick seats. Mm-hmm. I'm fucking pumped. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, anybody who wants to come see the Who, let me know. I got tickets. So we put the cart before the proverbial horse, and I'm totally Never. fine with that because <laughs> it kind of Pulp Fiction's the podcast a little bit. And uh, although it's time to backtrack now a little bit and let people know who the hell you are. Nadira Hira. Woo! I wish you guys could see the face Matt is making at me right now. Who are you? <laughs> Who am I? Who let you in? <laughs> Do we know each other? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> but you're a writer. I am. Go from there. Yeah, so I am a, a writer. My uh, background is actually in poetry. That's what my very expensive Stanford degree is in. Um, <laughs> So there's that. Um, and then I, uh, I grew up out here in New, uh, the New York area and went to California for school and thought I was going to be a poet and, you know, date water polo players and live on the beach. And this was um, at the time of a previously huge recession. And amazingly, I kind of I got a job in New York in journalism. And so I moved back to do that. Um, and I never thought I would stay here. And now it's 15 years on or whatever. And I'm still here. Um, journalism was a lot of fun. I got to do a lot of really cool work and most recently was at Fortune for uh, a long stretch of years while they were still part of Time Inc. And that was amazing because I was writing about culture and art and music and all sorts of cool things, but from the perspective of um, sort of business and society. And I fell into the incredible area of study then known as like Gen Y, which became millennials. So I was like weirdly in that category writing about people like me who were looking at work differently and doing things differently and wanted different things out of life. And that became something I was focusing on in my writing. And then that turned into a bunch of speaking and appearances and, you know, TV and hosting stuff at the same time. And then in the last couple of years, started hosting a lot more, particularly with a focus on like development stuff. So for the UN and for other places that are trying to do social good. Mm -hmm. um, but my entire career has been really funny because things kind of drive themselves. And I'm like, oh, this is cool work. And then at some point I was like, wow, I'm a writer. What am I even writing right now? <laughs> Right. Yeah, I'm so, getting wrapped up with all this other exactly. stuff. Exactly. And it's all cool stuff, but there's a point at which like being a writer is being alone, being dirty, being sad <laughs> and just It's an isolating profession. Yeah, but you have to like stare at the page and just figure it out. And I think um this year has been awesome in sort of getting going because the the point of 2019 for me is actually being a dirty sad writer at home and just seeing what happens yeah, from there. Sure. So that kind of resetting has been really really nice. But it's funny because people are sort of like, "Oh, you're successful and you've done all these things." I'm like, "Really? I don't know." Cuz yeah. <laughs> like I love the idea of like, yeah, just reinventing yourselves. And a lot of ways that's what journalism is like you do it because you want to do something different every month you're looking at one month you're writing about nascar the next month you're writing about ancient art and that's amazing so but with any art you definitely need to be success defined based on what you feel too. yeah it is interesting to go back home especially as an actor where your face is actually on a television totally fast where people have to press pause and they're like oh my god or you've got two three minutes of screen time and they're like you're a success yeah and it's like great i don't think so <laughs> but i'm so happy that's the perception yeah absolutely and you have to feel it 100 percent. yeah but i think it's actually good not to feel it like for I me i don't know that i'll ever feel it yeah i mean if you are feeling it then you're done you right? get shots of it i <laughs> yeah. get that sh that shot to stick with the pulp, pulp fiction analogy <laughs> that whole eric stoltz shot in the heart yeah. from yeah. Of adrenaline the in rush. the Thurman's chest. I get those. Yeah. But they're never lasting. Yeah. It's never like, okay, I've made it. Yeah. Or yes, I'm a success now. It's like, no, yeah. fuck no. I'm still Not a pile all. of shit. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think it's it's interesting too, because we're at this stage where everybody does everything, right? I remember when um sort of entering into the cultural stage where everybody like Justin Timberlake was gonna act and sing and play music yeah. and do all this stuff. And that's now cool. And to me, it's nice to have different skill sets. It's awesome to be able to like host a huge conference and feel like that makes a difference for people and then do some TV thing or whatever it is and write at the same time. But the reality is you have to decide the thing that you want to do. So to me, my sort of biggest fear is being super successful in spaces where in the, at the end of the day, they don't mean as much to me as the thing that I think I'm called to do. Which is really common. Yeah. I think if people who stick in this industry and actually exercise those different things, which to your point, everyone is doing now. Yeah. They're trying on different shoes and kind of, okay, wow, this fits over here and I kind of like the way this fits and mm -hmm. this is nice and this isn't necessarily what I want to do. 
and then there's a success because people want to keep you where they want you. Yeah. So and if you're in a box over there hosting something. That works. And it's great. And it's yeah. kind of like, well, this is awesome. And it's paying the bills and yeah. it's steady. But I didn't get into this business for security reasons. Yeah. Or even just for the whatever the impact is of that space, right? Yeah. Because I think you're around. New York is full of people who are just grinding, right? And that's yeah. awesome. It's awesome to be around so much kind of drive. Mm-hmm. But it's also similarly easy to end up in a situation where you're like, wait, was this the thing I was driving toward? Or am I actually just sort of a victim of my own success, not to be melodramatic. But I think that happens. And so, you know, I I find for me, I have to periodically reset and say, hey, am I where I'm I'm trying to get to or am I where other people seem to think I should be? Well, to pivot to back before the break when we were talking about what really feels important or Mm -hmm. necessary or different to us as we age, Mm -hmm. as far as being out all night or fear of missing something, any of that shit's concerned, there is a world in which the victim of your own success pivots you to a new place that you didn't necessarily set out towards, but yeah. as we age, you might be more comfortable in. Yeah. Like you can accidentally fall into something that suits you even better than Absolutely. you could have imagined. Yeah. Or not. Or not. And I, but I think part of that is you have to know yourself, right? Like, I, I remember being, you know, 16 and my mom being like, you're going to medical school. Because I, you know, my dad was a physician and died when I was very small. And there was this sort of, I'm the oldest of four kids. And the expectation was, you love that. And I, I mean, frankly, I think I'd have been a fine doctor, aside from the fact that I hate blood. But whatever. Yeah, could have been an issue. <laughs> small, to- small problem there. <laughs> but, you know, I think hopefully we're all at a, you know, reasonable point where we can do a lot of different kinds of things but I also remember at that time my uh, English teacher who was like a lovely man young guy teaching a bunch of young kids himself um, and he was like you could be a doctor but you're going to be a doctor who comes home and writes in your basement every night so you decide what you're going to do with that Mm -hmm. and so at that stage of life even then as like a kid I kind of knew this is the thing that I am most passionate about and it's also the thing that challenges me the most which Mm -hmm. makes it the most exciting um so every time i kind of get off that path it's cool i mean i love being in front of an audience i love making you know people at different companies get excited about what it is they're trying to accomplish i love all of that kind of stuff and there's a rush to your point that comes out of it probably the same as you being behind the bar right yeah but at the end of the day you're like while this is all awesome, when I'm 70, is this what I'm actually going mm-hmm. to be glad I did? Or yeah. is there going to be a missed opportunity if I don't do the other thing? Sure. So, you know, it's an adventure. It is. And it's also lent you the perspective, which is one of the reasons why I wanted you on this podcast, other than the fact that you're just great in general to talk to in front of a microphone, <laughs> of millennials mm-hmm. and the culture that we live in. You're a writer, so you people watch so much. Yeah, all you the really time. take all that stuff in. And... Not to mention the fact that we met in a bar. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't... Uh, it's barish. It, it was a barish thing. <laughs> yeah. And it was actually... It's a funny story. It is a funny story. Because you were on a date. I was on a date. I was. And you were on what I... My friend and I assumed was a date it next to us. Yeah, but it wasn't. It wasn't. And it's funny I, because so many people think we should be a couple. It's my friend Alyssa. Yeah. And it's a completely platonic friendship. Yeah. She's great. And she's and she a maniac. Great. I love her to pieces. She's yeah. nuts. It's awesome. But like yeah. fun nuts. And yeah. just in the same way I'm kind of nuts. Mm-hmm. So again, people just assume we're a couple or we'd be great yeah. together. And we were at a communal table with you. Yeah. But it was just the four of us. So you think communal table, you think long banquet table. It was literally, it was like this German bar. It might not have been a communal place. table. Yeah. I, I think I they think just, we they, just they, it was a table. And they were like, do you mind sitting with these random people? And then the it, way it was set up, we were like crisscrossed diagonal. So the guy I was with was sitting next to you. And yeah. Yeah, Alyssa was sitting next to me. And then I think she and I struck up a conversation. No, you guys, I think somebody. Oh, no, we were so talking about Nicolas went, Cage. Yes. So you, we'd been there. You sat down. Yeah. We ate our entire dinner. We never even acknowledged you guys. Yeah. You never acknowledged us. Yeah. And she got up to go to the bathroom before we left and paid the tab. And you, I remember, had said to Tito. Yeah. <laughs> the guy you were with, I just overheard you say, you are crazy. Raising Arizona is Nicolas Cage's best movie. Yes. And I just said, I don't know who you are, but we are now friends. <laughs> I just leaned in. I was like, yeah. you just invited me into your conversation. Yeah. This is 100% my wheelhouse. Yes. And you're absolutely and right. And I am absolutely right. Yeah. When you're right, you're right. <laughs> and I don't know who you are, sir. Yeah. But whatever you're arguing is by definition, wrong. <laughs> and in Tito's defense, he's German. He doesn't know. <laughs> he didn't know. He did not know. So, but that was it. Alyssa came back from the bathroom and, and was like, all... what is this now? Yeah. And I'm like, well, this is Nadira and Tito. Yeah, and here we're we hanging. Are. And it was weird because it was kind of like a, you and I totally hit it off. Yeah. Um, 
he and Alyssa didn't hit it off the way <laughs> I hit it off, but, you know, it was great. But the, and they also have a similar kind of personality, like a little bit, like, aloof in a charming, lovely yeah. way. Yeah. But we all ended up in a very, I mean, we were there for four hours. Yeah. It turned, it was so fun. It was the whole night. Yeah. And then we were talking about going to see something that was on Broadway that ended up having been closed for oh, six weeks. what was it? It was, it was uh, wasn't it Tupac related? Maybe. Is that because I'm brown? No, it's because I think it was super. It could have been. It could have been. But I remember being like, "You're supposed to know these things." What was that shit? That was something. Yeah, and I was bummed we missed it. I'm pretty sure it had something to do with Tupac. But it makes sense. We uh, all exchanged information at the end, awkwardly. Yes. Because it was kind of like, I'm not trying to move on your date, buddy. <laughs> but but then you were kind of like, he's moving out of the country in a couple weeks. Yes. Like, yeah. It, got, it was it a was very so funny. relaxed. It was just really. But funky. that's kind of what I mean about dating in New York. It can be super relaxed, right? It doesn't have to be everything is this like, can this person be my forever? And at that point, I had come out of a very long and wonderful relationship. And that's another thing about growing up is that you realize like, we're gonna live a long time, right? Mm-hmm. You can have a ten year relationship that is just good for you, and you love that person, and you continue to love that person. But then it's also run its course, and you evolve into something new. Like I don't think we're anymore in a like one soulmate one relationship for life model or you we don't have to be some people maybe maybe will be but um but it was a very it's a funny thing because I feel like dating in New York has been fun to me but you kind of have to do it in a way that isn't like if this doesn't work my life is over yeah and and that, that becomes a bigger issue I think wide scope when you pull out and you really look at things in broad strokes what you want as a human mm-hmm. is so much more available to you, whatever you want by definition. Yeah. Meaning if you want something traditional in a yeah. relationship, if you want something traditional in a job, yeah, that's great. But it used to be you get a spouse, you get a job, mm-hmm. you have kids, mm-hmm. you work, you die. That's your life. And there's so much freedom now, so much choice mm-hmm that it becomes more difficult. Yeah. There's a reason I think anxiety levels are up and everybody's having a panic attack and PTSD is just diagnosed everywhere for like all of these things are happening more and more. And not necessarily because it's all loosey goosey and it's just being freely diagnosed and pills thrown at it. Which in some cases there is, yeah. But it's just there there's a lot more freedom of choice. And and you can paint by number your life to look However you want it to look. There's a lot more options. We are living longer, 100%. Mm -hmm. You don't know what life's going to look like. Yeah. And And there's so much more visibility, too. I mean, when people are, like, scrolling their Facebook or Instagram at every free moment. Like, I was in the elevator yesterday, and every person had their phone out. And I was sort of like... This is very weird. Yeah, especially since we're going to lose service exactly. in 10 seconds. Exactly. Like, what are you looking yeah, at right yeah. now? And it was like a small New York old building style elevator. So it's like you really have to want to be on your phone because your elbows are like in somebody's face or whatever mm-hmm. it is. But I think when people have, and this is a very millennial thing, so much access to what else is going on in everybody else's lives, knowing that that's extremely curated to begin with, mm-hmm. you're creating this sense of like, this is where I have to be, right? If I Maybe I don't have to be a Kardashian, but I need to be at least as good as John and Jane who ended up doing X and Y and Z. And the reality is you don't know anything about their life and you have to be kind of focused on what it is you want to do or or don't want to do. Um, But it's hard to do that when you're getting constant input from everywhere. And I don't think 30 years ago, you not I don't think, I know you didn't have that 30 years ago. No, not at all. And for me, it's been really practical to have so much positivity in my life. A, because I'm a New Englander who can be prone to cynicism, which <laughs> yes. is I know a, a lot about l- that. little by definition negative. Yeah. And it's really easy to hate on social media. Mm-hmm. It's really easy to point my finger at today's world and hate on this and on yeah. that. But it's so impractical. And there's nothing positive, no yeah. pun intended, that comes from it. So when I have positive people around me, I have a lot of people in my life. 2019 has been a big kind of outline for me to achieve certain things mm-hmm. and keep positive people around me who are also seeking those things. Yeah. Because I don't want to be anxious yeah. any more than I have to be. Yeah. I want to have goals that are 
attainable, mm-hmm. things that I can reach and people that can help me get there and not help me get there insofar as, oh yeah, I'm using somebody to get me to a yeah. place, but we're helping each other yeah. rise Support. up. Yeah, yeah That's absolutely. a big part of this. But I think you have to be deliberate about it, right? Because there's also this, you know, I'm the, like I said, the oldest of four and watched my youngest brother is 10 years younger than I am. So seeing his universe is like, as much as we're technically in the same generation or whatever, it's a completely different universe because like his best friend he met playing Xbox Live, right? So mm-hmm. wow. <laughs> they didn't even like know each other in, in the real world for years. And they really are so close. He was in this guy's wedding and like my mom has talked to him on the phone and all of Imagine that. Sort of stuff. that. Yeah. It's, I can't. It's amazing. I mean and and wonderful, but there's, you know, there's enough of a gap there that uh, to me, it's kind of like what I love about that is that there's a deliberateness to it. It isn't just I want to be friends with this person so that I can see what they're doing in their lives and it's a kind of voyeurism or a test for myself or whatever it is. The reality is like this is an authentic relationship. So when you're curating the people that you're involved with in the social media universe, you're not doing it to be like, ooh, I want to see what that person's doing so I can like low-key hate on them. <laughs> Sure. Which is what a lot of people are doing. Yeah. You're actually like, these are people I want to authentically connect with. And I think that's amazing. Like, it's amazing to live in a time when that's possible. But there are too many opportunities. And too, and we, we're too quick, I think, to sort of make it the opposite. Make it something where we're like looking at people and judging them and using them as an unrealistic bar for our own lives. Rather than mm-hmm. just being like, I should be alone. I should be silent. I should think and look in the mirror and decide about like what I want my own life to look like and then curate around me an experience that supports and advances that possibility. And I think if you're staying true to yourself, we talked a little bit about this before we started recording, uh, there's just no wrong move. Mm -hmm. There's guys like Gary V who's just yelling at you (laughs) to be positive and to stop hating and to keep grinding and Mm -hmm. this is what you need to do and hard work Mm -hmm. nets results. Mm -hmm. And he's yelling at you. There's nothing wrong with you. We don't have to be super soft because it's 2019 and we're in a weird, somewhat soft place. Yes, He's staying true to himself but being positive and motivational in the process. Michael Rappaport's another guy I love. Yeah who is the other end of things, where he's not really yelling a ton of positive shit, (laughs) but he's not being a dick for the sake of being a dick either. He's just being him. Yeah. And and a lot of these people that aren't being true to themselves and they're trying to play to the movement. Right, they're pandering. Or they're pandering to the youth. Yeah. That's just, it doesn't fly with me. Yeah. You can see right through that shit immediately out of the gate. Mm -hmm. This isn't what you believe. This isn't who the fuck you are. (laughs) So what are you doing? Yeah, stop. Come on. Yeah. And if you stay true to it, I think there's just a lot of opportunity to grow mm-hmm. where we are right now. Mm-hmm. And I think we're at a weird, kind of awesome inflection point. Like, there's so much new tech that's only appeared in the last, like, five to ten years. And we're now seeing it kind of – we're now deciding what we're going to do in the longer term, right? Like, babies now, parents are like, maybe don't have your cell phone until you're a little bit older. And, like, let's think about how we use this in, like, a well, conscious way. Well, you got to dial way. it back at some yeah. point. You can't continue on this yeah. trajectory. Yeah. There's no way. Absolutely. But, I, I, you know, five years ago as this stuff was coming out, every baby at dinner had a phone in front of them, yeah. right? <laughs> so, and just watch this and be yeah. quiet. Yeah. So I'm just – I'm super confident about us kind of coming out of this moment that we're in, like, in a much better place, like, in a more conscious, deliberate, mindful place. I hope so. I hope so, because things have moved very quickly. It's funny, with the Patriots going to the Super Bowl again, somebody put out this meme, and i got to throw that in there. Yeah. It's hilarious. I fucking love it. Tom Brady. Oh, it, Tom. I, I was not on the Tom Brady train. I was, yeah. because I'm a New Englander, and it was like, yeah, great. Football's yeah, yeah. not my favorite sport. Yeah. But this is exciting, and I know I'm a part of something special. Yeah. When they came also, back. Also, you got, I mean, he's amazing. When, when they came you can't back take it. in the Seattle Super Bowl. Yeah. It wasn't even Atlanta, yeah. but Seattle, that Malcolm. Yeah. It was like, holy shit. Yeah. Atlanta, it's like this guy's the fucking greatest of yeah. all time. Yeah. If anybody says otherwise, they're dumb. Dumb. Yeah. So with them going to the Super Bowl again, there's this meme going around that says things that didn't exist the first time Tom Brady won a Super Bowl. And it's like iPhone, Android, <laughs> Google, all the crazy shit. And it's like, yeah. all right, granted, yes, this is to show that he's been doing this for a very long time mm-hmm. with extraordinary success. Mm-hmm. But it's still only 17 years. Yeah, it's a short window. You think about where the fuck we've gone in yeah. 17 years. Mm-hmm. That's nuts yeah. to think if you're 19, 20 years old, 
you really don't know any better. Your conscious mind doesn't have a memory of a time before these things that just exploded. Yeah, and they exploded in your own house. It isn't like, oh, the world is advancing and it's all happening in Washington or it's happening at Cape Canaveral or it's happening in some external place. Like a lot of what's advanced in recent years is like you have it in your pocket. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And that's that that's dramatic like that's yeah. amazing like everybody can podcast now because you just buy your equipment and take it to your house you don't even really need equipment yeah like, like, like we said <laughs> before true. this it's like somebody could just throw a an apple mic on yeah. and run i've and seen good. guys do it on film sets yeah. that are just in holding sitting there <laughs> with a laptop literally yeah. one of my buddies this was years ago I'm like what the fuck are you doing to like, get a podcast man <laughs> like, i don't even know what that is yeah. i didn't <laughs> but he was doing one yeah, eight years ago i was like a pot what the fuck is that <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, man. You're weird. Yeah. And now, you know, I yeah. got a mic with a windscreen in front of it because we're in a professional studio. Yeah. And I don't need the sock on my mic anymore for the time being anyway. It's not a professional studio. It's kind of like a high-end version of where you would picture a snuff film being shot. Right? Is yeah. Is that a fair description? I'd, I'd say that's fair. There's a bed in the corner. Uh-huh. And if we didn't know each other, we kind of discussed how this would be creepy as hell. Yeah, I would have had to bring, like, an entourage of friends to make yeah. me feel but like... But if you look in the other direction, it's, like, professional yeah. grade sound quality, uh, like, soundproofing. Insulation. And, There's yeah. Emmys. This place is littered with Emmys. It's my boy's yeah. place where he records his podcast, and yeah. he's won a ton of Emmys. He totally has. But then you turn around, and there's just a bed. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of odd. But you know what? This is probably high-end compared to where most podcasts totally. are shot. It's kind of a metaphor recorded. for the modern condition. It is. It is. You <laughs> could do say. this anywhere in, in a vacuum. But that's awesome. I mean, that's an awesome time to be alive. It is. It is. And it's also kind of another thing that makes me excited to not be in a bar. Mm-hmm. Because that's so old school. And I, I appreciate old school. Yeah. I think to come full circle on everything we've discussed with dating and how I'm more of a, I'd rather approach you, engage your energy than just swipe right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's nice to be connected to the old school in a place where you're comfortable and where people that are 60 and 20 can go, mm-hmm. where there aren't many places like this anymore and feel like they're both comfortable yeah like we can both be here because this is where we meet yeah in the middle Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time I'd rather be doing more of this I'd rather be out in the world in coffee shops with a bunch of people that have headphones on yeah and potentially talk to and collaborate and just get ideas going and and just just have the energy move forward yeah 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 Yeah, it's it's exciting I will say I mean it's interesting because I don't it seems like your bar experience for whatever reason, hasn't necessarily been this. But one of the things I love about my neighborhood in Brooklyn and Crown Heights um, and kind of our local, the Crown Inn, which you've been um, with me sure, to, yeah. is that that is, an, for me, an environment where they're, it's like everybody in there is an artist of some kind, right? They're all on the same grind, whether they're behind the bar or on the, you know, their mm-hmm. patrons. And I've loved that. Like, one of the, the guys who used to bartend there became my martial arts teacher because he opened a studio and he's <laughs> yeah. also, like, an incredible musician. And I'm like, that's my Crown Inn friend, you know? Yeah. And then there's, like, people who are now... They started out in behind the bar, and now they're, like, co-owners, and they're in the business, and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. And then there are also people who are, like, that's a way station on the way to being musicians or writers or whatever else they're going to be. And it's awesome to be in a space where you're surrounded by that energy completely and then have it be a kind of neighborhood hang, you know, to feel like, oh, these are actual people I know. Because I think the stereotype of New York is, like, you're just walking around and everybody is a, a foreigner to you, right? Like a stranger. And I love... The idea that, like, that place for me is a place where, like, I know everybody in there. Well, once you cross, because we live somewhat in the same neighborhood, but we're in very different parts of the same neighborhood. Yes. Because Eastern Parkway is a real dividing Mm -hmm. force. I'm on the south side of it. Mm -hmm. It's not that much of a neighborhood community. But when you cross it, it's been more gentrified, but it's still small enough that it's definitely a pocket. Yeah. And it's still very diverse. There's still a lot of, like, businesses owned by people of color and by women and Hopefully more to come. Gentrification being more on a financial sense yeah, than it's a money. whitewashing. Which is what I think yeah. gentrification is, actually. Exactly. Right? Like, I'm so a gentrifier. Too. But with you, with you putting the qualifier on it, I just yeah. want to make sure we're on the same page. Yeah. I'm not talking about a, a fucking, like, a genocide yeah. whitewashing kind of, no. I'm just talking about money's yeah. moving to the neighborhood. Yeah. And so you get, you know, you get real dry cleaners and Thai food and whatever those kinds of things are. But I think that bar in particular has been kind of a, like, this awesome microcosm for me of people who are on the same journey in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really... Uh, 
stimulating and inspiring for everybody, right? Because you're seeing your buddy do what he's wanted to do for the longest time and that gives you hope and it's like everybody's kind of, every conversation kind of includes something about what's the rest of your life looking like, you know? And yeah. that's that's really awesome. It is, it, you know, it's my cheers and it's funny at this point in our history to be like that's a real thing in a big city but it actually is yeah. you know so it and is. I met my husband there as you know which is a funny uh, did you meet him at Crown I met him at Crown yeah I thought you met him at Franklin Park no oh, yeah okay. which is another bar in the neighborhood yeah 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 <laughs> I had that wrong that's a funny story yeah. too so um because you were at two door no you were at Uptown, at Uptown. You were at Uptown. yeah <laughs> I was at Uptown and and you uh, had a hard night. You weren't you weren't in the best space, I remember. And you're like, yeah. I gotta get the fuck I, out of here. Yeah, because I had a, like a date with this other guy, and then he like canceled without actually canceling because he just sent me a an email that was like, oh, I thought of you with this blog post, and I was like, what's the dinner plan, dude? And then he's like, I'm in Boston or whatever it was, right? And it was just a complete. I was it's one of those moments where you're like, for the love of God, yeah. <laughs> like just yeah. just. Keep me in the loop. And again, this is a thing that happens in New York. Everybody's got their own thing going on and like you sort of forget about other people. And I, again, as one of a couple children and with a mom who's super focused on like empathy and those kinds of things, I get frustrated when people can't see themselves as part of a bigger whole, right? Mm -hmm. Like the whole world revolves around you. And so I was definitely having one of those moments. And the bar that night, like there was a woman, uh, Matt's bar, um, sitting next to me who was like an Irish cellist. And then she was like really sad. And so she's talking to me about that. And I was like, I don't remember her. Yeah, well, but I have that energy sometimes. People just tell me things that I, like, don't really need to know. Yeah. I mean, it would, but that that night I remember being kind of a fiasco of misadventure, which yeah. wasn't necessarily not the norm. <laughs> but, but it was, it was definitely, there was a fair amount of <laughs> people from my past or present all there yeah. at once convening yeah. unexpectedly. It yeah. was really Over quite a range. And then all <laughs> wanting to talk. And then you're sort of like, I don't, this is not where I am at yeah. this point in my day or life or week <laughs> or whatever. Um, and so my sister was with me and she, she was like, I'm going to head back to the neighborhood. You hang out for a bit and come meet me. And so... Um, I met her back in, in my neighborhood, which is about, what, 35, 40 minutes from, from where uh, mm -hmm. Uptown was. And it was like 3.30 in the morning. I was basically At picking... Least, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. Picking her up from Crown to go home. And when I walked into the bar, she has her back to me, but she's sitting talking to this guy. And that's, you know, my now husband. But it was funny because when I sat down, first of all, I had drank, had way more to drink with the cellist than I realized. <laughs> so I'm no, like... you were. You yeah. were. And you're not a bad drunk. No, it's not I just like you were like, sloppy, but you were drunk. I was drunk. Yeah. So I get there and I sit down and my sister's about to like order me something. I'm like, no, I need water, please. <laughs> I can't, I can't have any more drinks. And um, and I think I was wearing like a like a shirt that had the, the UK flag on it. I was definitely like in one of those like people are looking at me like you're hanging out for tonight and I'm like no 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 I'm not fun tonight I guess to me the UK flag means I'm having fun but it was like, that, are we talking about the University of Kentucky no the, the, the United Kingdom okay good I just wanted to make sure because <laughs> but I, for some reason I couldn't get a picture of you in a fucking UK it was like a t-shirt okay. it looked like I was in a you know like a new wave band yes kind which of vibe. you know to the people at home she isn't I'm not yeah. at all. I definitely was presenting like a more fun person than at the okay, time I enough. felt like I was. So everybody's like, hang out, drink, whatever. And so I'm like, no, no, I must have water. And then my sister turns to the guy sitting next to her and she's like, you guys should totally talk. You have a ton in common. And he looks at me and he's like, she knows nothing about me. I don't know what you're talking about. Lizard for the win. Yes. And instantly I think this guy is great because I'm like, that's A, that's hilarious. B, he clearly also got entrapped because he's like trying to drink like a, his whiskey by himself. And my like adorable, fun, super smart sister is like, blah, 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 blah. And so we end up all hanging out and going to the diner, which is like uh, we find out halfway between our two places and stuff. And at some point over the course of the conversation. He proposed. Well, funny. <laughs> <laughs> he says something about graduating into the recession. And I was like, literally, I remember counting on my fingers because I had just turned 35. And I was like, what? Re the Great Recession? And he's like, yeah, yeah. And so I'm like doing the math. I'm like, wait, are you 29? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm 29. And it's like, we're good. We're now, okay. We can never okay. speak again. Yep. We're done. That's enough. And to his like lasting credit, he was like, I can be a smart, cool guy. And, you know, we had scheduled like a drink and then he had to cancel and that was fine with me. And he had to cancel again. And then I remember getting this long text where he's so like, like, 
really maturely was like, I'm so sorry. My schedule has been really crazy. Like, thank you for being so, you know, understanding. And I, so funny because I'd been dating people 10, 15 years older than he was. And I was so taken aback by the level of just like consideration. Sure. And because I, you'd been dating some flakes, some <laughs> yeah, weird some, shithead flakes. Some super self-absorbed, yeah. you know, and, and a huge range. Some super successful and, you know, consultants and whatever, and some also bartenders, successful bartenders, but more you'd expect that behavior maybe from them. But across the board, I was sort of like, wow, men, what's going on with you as a group? And so I remember just being really struck by that. And then we get went, and it, he ended up being like, let's go to dinner. We go to dinner and sort of from there, the story goes. But the funniest part of it is as we're at dinner, I say to him, I'm like, oh, it's so funny we're on a date. And he's like, well, it makes sense because I like knew who you were. And now I'm like, oh my God, I'm at dinner with a complete stalker, crazy person. What What is this story about? And he's like, well, Anne told me who you were. Now, Anne is one of the bartenders at Crown. Oh, okay. And the funniest part of the entire affair is that we, uh, I had basically seen a guy who in the neighborhood who looked so much like Mark Ruffalo that I had, like instinctively would smile at him. And on one of these occasions, I'd gone into the bar and told her this story. And I was like, oh, I'm such a weirdo. And this happens in New York. You run into people who you actually know from television. Sure. And you smile at them because you think you know them. And then yeah. you're like, I'm a crazy person. Um, and so she was like, oh, I totally know this guy. I'm going to tell him about you. Like, I'm going to set you guys up. And I'm like, you're doing too much, Anne. Please stop. As it turns out, she had told him, because my husband does look a lot like Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> yeah. And so he was like, when you when you came into the bar and you know I heard your name and I met your sister, I knew that that was you. And I'm like, all of that is true, except you are not the Mark Ruffalo that I was talking about. Different. Different guy completely. It's Brooklyn. It's Brooklyn. Everybody <laughs> fucking looks like Mark Ruffalo. So between Anne and my sister, they got us together in a very hilarious and lovely bar story, but uh, but he was not the original. He's the wrong Ruffalo, is what we like to say. No, he isn't. He, well, yes. He's the right He's Ruffalo. He's the right Ruffalo. <laughs> He's the right Ruffalo. But on our wedding Good guy. day. Yeah. Good guy. I, I like him. him a lot. Yeah, he likes you too. But yeah, we went to Crown on our wedding day in my wedding dress before we got married. Hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I can dig that. Yeah, it had to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to say, this has been a treat. Thank ha you. Having you in, thank you for taking the time to come hang and talk shit and uh, grace the people with our strange and unusual and hopefully reasonable perspective of the world around us. Fingers crossed. From dating to just life in general in 2019. Big changes. Yeah, more to come. More to come. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being patient while I purchase tickets to see the who. <laughs> Priorities, Matthew. Love you to pieces. Ditto. Yeah, be good. Yeah. Everybody out there, thanks for tuning in. You're welcome for giving you such an awesome guest. And we'll catch you soon on the next episode of Real Tales from the Bar Side. Be good. <laughs>